0: everyone. Merry Christmas
1: again.
0: Merry Christmas. Oh. <laughs> we got a few, few p- people with jokes out there. Anyway. <laughs> you on the live stream? God bless you. Thank you for logging in and viewing us. Um, As my usual thing is, please give us a thumbs up, share with someone, especially share the link with someone. And you who are looking at us. From another country other than the United States, thank you. May the Lord really bless you. I pray that by the end of the service, the Lord has just given you a a gift that you didn't expect coming on in. For all of us, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this day. It's my favorite time of the year, at least one of them. So so thankful that in this country we could still do this, Lord. Know about tomorrow like like has been on my mind but you know thank you so much for having mercy upon us we pray father and ask you to forgive us for anything that we said that we've done or thought that was not pleasing to you since the last time we gotten together we thank you that you said in your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, we want to be open that if you should show us something through the teaching of the word or even through this time of worship that we be just ready to repent, ready to, to get things right with you. Thank you that you are ever-present help in our time of need. We bless your name. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
2: Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever. There's no. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anyone who has
0: from Romans chapter 12 verses 4 through 8 for as we have many members in one body but all the members do not have the same function so we being many are the one body in Christ as individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You may be seated and we could dismiss our children.
3: Good morning. Good morning. I love you too, honey. She put a note on my notes. I hope that was her. <laughs> I recognize your writing. <laughs> Is anybody else? I got another teaching I got to give this morning. We're glad to have you all with us this morning. We are so blessed to be a, a body who loves one another, who serves one another who is listening to the lord who serves the lord and i'm just i'm blessed and i thank you all for being a part of what god has called us to do we're going to continue our study this morning in first corinthians chapter 14 our title this morning are the gifts of the spirit part four a call to order father we ask that you speak to us we we know you've been speaking to us it's, it's been a blessed series as we go through your word and We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to study it and meditate upon it. And ask, Lord, that you speak to us with boldness and in the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive it in boldness. And then walk out in in accordance to your leading as you guide us and take us where you want us to go. Lord, we are so thankful. We pray this morning that you open our ears. Let us hear what you have for us. And again, let us learn not just to hear it, but to apply it. And be doers of the word, not hearers only, Lord. I don't ever want to be one who's deceiving myself regarding the word of God. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in our last study, we saw that with all the gifts of the Spirit, there has to be the foundation of love. Love is what's the glue. It's what holds everything together. If we don't have the heart of love, the heart of Jesus in us, the gifts of the Spirit become unbalanced. They become really misused or, in some cases, not used at all, but people think they're using them because they're man getting in the way of it. And man will try, as he does, to control things. He tries to control uh, life. He tries to control his environment. Well, in the spirit realm, he will try to control the gifts or manipulate the gifts. But outside of the Holy Spirit's leading, it becomes all about himself or the gift itself and not the giver. And we know that we can never take the things of God and make them the priority. It should never be the things about God. It should be God himself. That is our focus. I made this comment last week, and I'll stand by it again today. If we're not pursuing Jesus himself with all of our being, then we shouldn't be pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. But Paul said to seek the gifts. Yes, he did. But first he said to seek Jesus. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. It's all about this relationship that we're supposed to have. It's not ab- about the church It's not or, or the, the body, the being, or, or, the, or the building. It's about jesus himself which then pours into us the ability to love one another and then the gifts can be effective but without all of this foundation of jesus himself the gifts will never be effective they will become a show they will become a distraction or they'll become chaos we should be seeking jesus not the things of jesus beforehand now we truly don't know what we're asking for if we don't know him and the holy spirit will not give something to us that that does not glorify jesus or glorify the father and think about it what is the role of the holy spirit in us today well he's a comforter he's a teacher he's a counselor but he points us to jesus all the time he's constantly taking us into this relationship it's him that brings us in to the consuming relationship we can't get there on our own we can meet jesus we can know jesus but the holy spirit comes to dwell in us to point us to jesus in every area of our life in every circumstance of our life so he's showing us listen this circumstance is not what you need to be looking at You need to be looking at Jesus in the middle of the circumstance because he's the one that's going to take you and protect you and guide you through this circumstance. It's not about the circumstance at all. We can learn to be content. As Paul said, I've learned to be content. No matter what my circumstance, I can be content. Well, that comes from God himself. It can't come from within us. Because within us, the fleshly nature, we're constantly trying to fill something that can't be filled. It's like somebody going to the creek with a bucket of water or to get a bucket of water. And there's holes in the bucket. And by the time they get back to their camp or wherever they're going, the, whole, the, the bucket's empty. And you can't fill it because it keeps emptying itself. Well, that's the fleshly nature of man. It's an ongoing consuming fire within man to be fulfilled. But without Jesus, there's no fulfillment. And without the Holy Spirit in us, to guide us to Jesus, and to glorify the Father, then it's all for naught. The gifts of the Spirit are not things that we use for our purposes or to use when we think they need to be used or manifested. Generating the right atmosphere through the songs we choose or creating an emotional moment through the way we raise or lower our speech, we can either get you up and awake we can pull you down nice and somber. It's not supposed to be that way. That's not going to cause the Spirit to move. Now, I know that this is not an accurate description. But when we go pushing and pushing and pushing to get the Spirit to do something, I can just see the Holy Spirit saying, nope. Nope. This is not me. Not doing it. Not going to happen. Not going to do it. We can't make it happen. He moves, and they will respond to him accordingly. It's not the other way around. So Paul has shown us that the appropriate balanced way to first desire the gifts, and then secondly be willing vessels to receive the gifts, and then thirdly to walk in obedience to the Spirit as he manifests the gifts in us. Without beating the dead horse, let me repeat this simple truth. It's, it's all about God, not us. Now, recapping this entire series on the gifts of the Spirit so far, we've seen what the gifts are. We've discussed those. We now know who gives them. We know what they're for, which is the edification of the church. We've seen all of these things in our studies. Now, this week, we're going to focus on the two verbal gifts, prophecy and tongues. And we'll see that they're not to be silenced. I want to start off with that point. They're not to be silenced. But there is order in the church service that Paul lays out for us. And we're going to get through this as we go through this this morning. And I personally believe the reason Paul takes time to address these two gifts specifically in this part of the letter, well, two reasons. First, in the early part of the church, they were already already out of balance. He wouldn't have had to write chapter 14, as we call it. There were no chapter verses uh, when he wrote the letter, but with these verses that we're looking at, chapter 14, he would have not have had to write that had it not been that there's already some type of issue, issue going on with these gifts. And they had allowed the gifts to be a focus and even a distraction, much like some in our Pentecostal or Charismatic movement. Not all, but some have done today. And Paul is not writing a major rebuke here. You can see gentleness in his speech, but he is giving more of a realignment or correction of how these two gifts are be used in the church service in order of the church. So uh, let's begin. And and the other thing too, before I say let's begin, then I interrupt myself. We also want to understand that in in the body of Christ today, that that these gifts have to be. Completely and totally applied in the same way that paul is writing what paul is writing in this letter didn't just apply to the corinthian church It applies to the body of christ today, and I really want us to make sure we understand that so let's start with verses 1 through 4 pursue love We already covered that last week. That's the foundation pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God keep that in mind very key phrase there he speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church So I'm going to stop right there because there's a lot here for us to talk about. In these verses, Paul reaffirms what we studied last week. He tells us first to pursue love. That's the more excellent way. Seeking Jesus first. The relationship we have with Jesus. Seek that. And then he reaffirms that we should be able or should be willing to desire the gifts. Not say they're from the past. Not say they're not for today. Eagerly seek them. There's nothing in Scripture that tells us that we shouldn't desire them today. But the next thing Paul tells us is to especially seek prophecy. Now, I want to interject here that in context, keep in mind, in context with all the rest of this chapter, he's specifically comparing prophecy with tongues. That's the dynamic focus of this entire message in this section that we're reading here. So it's safe to say that he's not necessarily saying To seek prophecy above all the gifts. But between the two gifts. Seek prophecy over the gift of tongues within the body. Within the context of meeting. In a group meeting. In the body of Christ. In church gatherings. And we're going to see that as we go through the study further. He then tells us why he makes this statement. And we must also understand that Paul is speaking. To the church, this is a letter to the church. This is not an an evangelistic message. He's not reaching the world here. He's talking to the body of Christ. So, understanding the context of this, we can examine verse two. For he says, "For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mystery." Now, this is again a very important and key verse and understanding the gift of tongues tongues is not speaking to or speaking over men scripture is very plain here you're speaking to God it's not a message from God and again we're going to see this come up again here in a few minutes but this has been a key factor regarding the gift of tongues that I believe in a sense has gotten off base because when you get into the Charismatic or Pentecostal movements where tongues is a big important part, they begin to speak it all out, and it all comes out. The interpretations over and over. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Well, really? Because according to Scripture, thus says the Lord is a prophecy or a word of knowledge. But a tongue is a prayer language to God that He gives us. It's a blessed gift to have, but it's a praise language to Him. Now let's go back and look at this in Acts chapter 2. Verses three through 12. This is the first time that we've seen the gift of tongues. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the scripture, or I'm sorry, excuse me, as the spirit gave them utterance. And there was a dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear in each our own language in which we were born? Perithians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Persia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. And hear this. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They did not hear repent. They did not hear repent. Blessed are you from God. They did not hear anything from God. What they heard was them praising God in their language. They were worshiping with the gift of tongues. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, one another whatever could this mean? Now the next part of that, that story, some, some say, oh, they're just drunk <laughs> because they weren't connecting to the Spirit at all. And then that gave Peter what the opportunity to do what? Men, we're not drunk as some suppose. But this is all from God. And he began to lay out from the scriptures, not from tongues or an interpretation of the tongues. He laid out the gospel of Jesus Christ. He got their attention. God got their attention through the gift of tongues. But he did not save them through the gift of tongues, nor did the gift of tongues speak to them directly. They just heard what these guys were saying, which was praise God. The works of God are wonderful. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. They were glorifying God. It got their attention. 3,000 were added to the number that day. Why? Because the Spirit was moving, and he got their attention, but the word, the gospel, was preached. So as we see in this first occurrence, they heard, all the, they heard them speaking. And I believe they were given the gift of interpretation, didn't even know it. They heard it all. And the wonderful works of God, or praise, thanksgiving, and worship is what they heard. So therefore, we can look at that particular instance, which is the first instance, and then we go along with what Paul just wrote here and said, a tongues, is a, is, you're actually speaking to God. It goes along and what verse 22 will tell us when we get to that point, I'm going to go and read it. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Keep that in mind. Now I believe that many Spirit-filled churches today have gotten this backwards. And I've been in many churches where a tongue was spoken. I've said this already, and, and they say, Thus saith the Lord. But biblically this doesn't appear to be accurate. It appears to be something that's been generated because people so desperately want an interpretation if a tongue was spoken that this is what would come out of it. So can we say honestly that every interpretation has been accurate or every tongue that was spoken was accurate? I would have to say not all of them were. Not according to Scripture. Again, thus saith the Lord would fall under prophecy or words of knowledge. But tongues is something given by the Spirit a prayer language of praise and worship. Now, if an unbeliever hears our praise in God in their language, you can bet it'll get their attention. If they're walking down the street, or they walk in to a group meeting, whatever, and a tongue is then given, and they understand it, that's got their attention. But they would also understand a word of prophecy, wouldn't they? Because they can hear it the Holy Spirit is going to speak to those he's going to speak to, well, he speaks anyway, but some will hear and some will not. But we have to make sure that the gifts are in balance in accordance to the way God has laid them out. If an unbeliever hears us praising God in the language, it's going to get their attention just like it did at Pentecost, and I believe it can still happen and does happen today. But it's when he chooses and where he chooses, not necessarily in the church gathering. Now think about this too. There wasn't a formal church service going on in Acts chapter 2. Not in regards to, you know, of course there was preaching, there was worship. I guess you could say it was first church service. The Holy Spirit came, they were anointed, they were blessed, the preaching was given, and people got saved. Hallelujah. But there weren't 3,000 people or more In the upper room, were they? So they came out of the upper room. It was on the street. Probably at the synagogue. And people heard. And they were saved. So we also see here that you shouldn't have a tongue unless there's an interpretation. We're going to cover that again in a few minutes. Now verse 3 tells us, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church now i do need to clarify something here as we've said over and over all of the gifts including tongues are for edification they're supposed to be edifying the body not for ourselves but here paul says he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself is this a contradiction no there are no contradictions when you study god's word we have to dive in. The edification he speaks of here is not prideful or self-seeking when he talks about being self-edified. That's, that's what a lot of times being self-edified means. It's, it's all about us. The gift of tongues is still not all about us. It's about God. So therefore, the gift is not in the same sense edifying ourselves. When Paul says this, he's saying it's a blessing from God for us individually, a spiritual language, giving back to him as we praise him. We praise him and worship him with this spiritual gift. So when Paul says it's to edify himself, what he's saying is, as an individual in the church, not corporately, it edifies you because you are now blessing God individually back to God with praise and worship. That's what he's talking about here. So there's no contradiction here. It's a personal thing between us and God. And that's why we're edified. I mean we can personally be edified when we're in the presence of God, can we not? Isn't that truly what the spirit does individually? Then he brings us corporately and that edification then should flow out of us onto others and out of others onto us. It's 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 a corporate environment of everyone walking in unity with the spirit and blessing one another. That's why we all are edified. Now when God does use this gift for someone who is not a believer, then they are blessed with an opportunity to hear our praise in their own language, and the doors open for them to hear the gospel. Now also, if and when this gift is used in the body, again, there has to be an interpreter, or nobody's going to be blessed by it. Just confusion. So what we see here is prophecy is more edifying for the body of Christ than the gift of tongues. That's what Paul is building here. He's showing this to us in verses 5 through 12. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Well, I have to stop there. I wish you all spoke with tongues. See, Paul is encouraging people to seek this gift. We shouldn't be afraid of it. Paul says, I encourage you all. I wish you all would speak with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, I want to to point this out, too. This also encourages, because this, again, has been kind of an unbalanced way. There have been many that thought, well, if somebody speaks in a tongue, somebody else has to to interpret. That's not what the Scripture necessarily says. Now, yes, that is a big thing, and it does happen. But the Bible says we're actually to seek interpretation ourselves, and we'll get to that again further. But it says here, it says that... uh, unless he interprets the same person, that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge or prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without a life, whether the flute or a harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language... I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. He continues to come back and drill that point home. The gifts are for the edification of the church. Now, verse 6 here shows us that the Spirit is moving well outside of the gift of tongues. In spite of those, and there are some that believe this, that tongues is the main sign of a spirit-filled church. If you don't have tongues, then you're not spirit-filled. I've heard that stated many times. I've heard the extreme version of that. Well, I'm not even sure if they're saved if they don't have the gift of tongues. Well, I'm not sure if you're saved if you're starting to talk about this in that regard. Or at least, I'm not. let me not question your salvation. Let me just say you're ignorant. Because you're not studying what the Word of God says. You're taking a gift and elevating it well out of the purpose of what it's given for. Verse 6 again. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? It's not going to profit you if I come speaking in tongues. Unless I either come with a revelation or knowledge or prophesying or teaching. So according to this verse, the Spirit moves outside of the gift of tongues with revelation with knowledge with prophecy and with teaching Now, as I mentioned last week we cannot decide how the spirits going to move but we need to be open to his movement when he does and I believe that when you have a group of people who are believers that come together in the body of Christ and you have someone teaching the Word of God from the Scripture and teaching truth the Spirit is moving. We're gaining in knowledge. We're gaining in understanding. We're gaining in revelation. I myself have had revelations that pop in just, boom, off the page. When I'm reading the words, like, wow, that, that takes on such an, a more a powerful uh, impact where I'm at in my life right now. Is not that, not the Holy Spirit moving? He didn't have to come and somebody stand beside me and speak in a tongue and all of a sudden I knew it. That's not what the purpose of that gift is. So now Paul gives us clear reasoning regarding why tongues in the body without an interpreter is discouraged. He says, Don't do it without an interpretation. And he shows us how instruments gives us this example of when instruments come together. Have you ever been to an orchestra? Have you ever watched them before the, the conductor comes up? All these instruments are playing all of these things. Some of them are tuning up, except the horns. I think they're getting their lips ready. But they're all doing their thing, and it's loud, and it sounds horrible. But then the conductor comes up, and he's got his baton. As soon as he steps up and raises that baton, they're all looking at him. They're no longer playing their individual notes. They're no longer making noises. And when he does this, boom, they're in sync. And it's beautiful. The notes are right. The songs are right. The music is right. And it's a beautiful thing. But this has to come together. They can't do their own thing, and they can't be out of order. It's all got to flow together. And first, as far as stringed instruments, they have to be tuned to themselves before they can be tuned to anybody else. And I play uh, music myself. I play banjo, play guitar. We go out and we, we play with different people from time to time. And first thing we do is get out our tuners. Used to, we could do it by ear. <laughs> Never, nobody was ever in tune, but nobody ever cared. And the other thing is, too, what people don't realize is that you can play out of tune and 99% of people don't know it. But if you're a musician, you know it. (laughs) And it will eat at you until you get that one string right there. But we tune up, and then we play together. Now, we'll have to tell you, when I play with other people, we're still not necessarily in sync, but that isn't their fault. But we have a great time, and this is what it's supposed to be. And everything comes together. So in understanding this and keeping this thought in mind, let's look at verse 9. So likewise you. Unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you'll be speaking in the air. You will not be in sync with everybody else. Ultimately, this is what tongues in the church body can become when everyone begins to speak individually at the same time with no interpretation. It gets chaotic. It gets loud and we may be thinking we're glorifying god and and okay but how's that glorifying anybody else how's that edifying anybody else the time for self-edification and again getting back to what that means and the gift of tongues specifically is between you and god not necessarily in a corporate worship service where everybody's doing it at the same time now i know there are churches that that do that and i'm not going to sit here and say it's absolutely wrong if all of them are doing it But again, think about somebody coming in to visit your church that Sunday morning who's not used to that. Why are they, what's going on? You know, it's just chaotic. And I'll tell you this too. The gift of tongues has then been taken on a whole different meaning within some charismatic groups. It's no longer a prayer language. It's barking. You heard the barking movement? Well, I'll give them a tree, and they can hike right on over there to it. I don't want anything to do with no barking movement. I do not believe that's the Spirit of God. And then the laughing movement, where everybody's falling out laughing. Well, I didn't hear the joke. Listen, I don't think that, I think that's all here has nothing to do with God. The, God is going to move among people in a way that's going to edify the body as a whole. And all of that stuff is nothing more than a spiritual movement that may not be from God at all and I've also heard and again you know you can't always verify a lot of these these stories but I heard one story of a lady came in she was from like North Korea or South Korea wherever she was from she came over and she went to a service and these guys were all doing all this stuff and she wanted out of there and they said why what's going on she said I heard some of the things they were saying in their tongue and it was blasphemy and then this barking movement and all of those things There have been missionaries that said the same thing happens in Africa in these pagan cultures. They're not Christian at all. So we have to be careful. The gift of tongues is not about barking and laughing and making noise. The gift of tongues is a gift given to us to worship God. We need to keep that in balance and understand that. But they can look like instruments if it's all chaotic, doing their own thing before the conductor raises his hand and raises that baton the gift of tongues can be all about me loud and chaotic and confusing i believe the holy spirit is the conductor and i believe that he brings order and he brings it together the way it's supposed to be and when we're truly listening to him that's when the church is edified because it's no longer about me. It's no longer about a gift. It's all about surrendering and letting God move the way he wants to move in the body of Christ. Now, verses 13 through 19. Therefore, let him speak, who speaks in the tongue pray that he may interpret. Again, what we said a while ago. We should pray for an interpretation. It may come from us. God may give it to us directly. It may be from somebody else. But whatever it is, We need to pray that that God gives that to us. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, many times when we pray in a tongue, we don't know what we're praying either until the interpretation comes. So verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. And this is Paul giving us permission in the gift of tongues. I will pray in the Spirit. And I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? I mean, if you're praying in a tongue, I don't necessarily want to say amen because I don't know what you're saying. Unless someone interprets. And at your giving of thanks, it says here, place the uninformed, say amen at your giving of thanks because that's what it should be. But if nobody's understanding that, It goes on, it says, since he doesn't understand what you say. Now, verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, in the body of Christ, in the gathering, this is what he's talking about. I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue really brings things into perspective doesn't it see paul is very clear when he sums up the use of this gift of tongues in the church without an interpretation it doesn't bring edification but at the same time paul doesn't discount the gift he's not discounting the gift and he's not telling us not to seek the gift he said i pray i wish you all spoke with tongues but appropriate time and place <coughs> excuse me I believe that what this passage is, is encouraging us to do is to seek the gift of tongues in our personal praise and worship which I believe is what the gift is designed to do primarily and I can tell you I'm tell you from my own personal life I prayed in the gift of tongues and I do pray in the gift of tongues not always Maybe not often. But when I'm alone and I'm praying in the gift of tongues, I I can't explain it. But the words every time, the words that I do understand, after I have prayed in a tongue, always come out praise. Always come out worshiping Him. Always come out that way. Always. I've never in my personal prayer time prayed in the gift of tongues and then got this huge revelation from god not saying he couldn't do that but that revelation to me would be something in addition to what just happened and what just occurred it's a prayer it's a praise it's a worshipful thing and thinks about think about this too now i don't believe that that people interpret this this one scripture that says when the spirit will will make noises and groanings that you that cannot be uttered well are you not uttering something So that's not what the gift of tongues is. He's not speaking of the gift of tongues there. What he's saying is the Spirit will intervene on our behalf and pray. And then I do believe when that happens, sometimes we don't know what to pray, so we just praise God. And if it comes out in English, it comes out in English. If it comes out in a prayer language, it comes out in a prayer language. But it comes out praise because that's what the gift is about. And I believe that this blesses God. And there's scriptures in the Psalms. Go back and read the Psalms. Bless the Lord. Many people are about blessing themselves or being blessed by God. But the Scriptures are very clear. We bless the Lord when we walk in obedience. We bless the Lord when we're walking in the Spirit. We bless the Lord when we're in His Word and meditating upon His Word. We bless the Lord when the gifts of the Spirit are being used properly and in an appropriate time and place. So we're actually blessing God. And then what happens? The blessing comes right back on us. That's what it, that's what this gift, I believe, is primarily for. And again, now, it is to get attention of an unbeliever, but primarily it's not really given to edify the church. And in Paul here, what we've seen is writing In practice, we should speak, pray, and worship together with more understanding than with the tongue. And in one final note on verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well. But the other is not edified. This verse continues to reaffirm. And and, and confirm the point that we made earlier. That prayer is tongue speaking to God. Not to others. Because it says when you give thanks well. Others are not going to understand it. So it's something to keep in mind. Now verses 20 through 33. Brethren. Do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all of the other tongues and other lips, uh, I'm sorry, for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. "...but prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if all prophecy and, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he's convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed... And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Here we go again. Verse 27. If anyone speaks in the tongue, let there be two or at most three, each in turn, not all at the same time, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. Now these verses here give us a clear practical application on the two verbal verbal gifts. The gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. If the spirit of God chooses to use these gifts, it will be balanced it will bring forth edification and peace that's what the purpose of the gifts are if a man tries to manipulate the gift these gifts it will become chaos it will become confusion and it will be a complete misunderstanding and misdirection of the purpose of the gifts now in conclusion on this part of the passage paul now addresses an area That the Corinthian church specifically was dealing with regarding their culture. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But I want to encourage you with what we're studying today. Don't try to understand it with this mind. Don't try to take the gifts and focus on them. I've got to have this gift, got to have this gift, got to have this gift. Yeah, we're to desire them. we desire the gifts, all the gifts. First, seek Jesus, the relationship with Him. That's the love. That's the foundation. The Spirit of God is within us. Then we ask for the gifts. God, I pray that Your Spirit will pour out Your gifts upon me, and I pray You'll pour them out upon those who love You and that You will use them to edify the church. Whichever gift You choose to give me. Don't get focused on tongues. If he gives it to you, hallelujah. It's a wonderful gift between you and God. And it can edify others if there's an interpretation. But seek to speak words of understanding even more so because those who are around you don't understand your prayer language. Especially if they don't have one themselves. They don't even understand what's going on. So how does this work? It works in humility. The gifts of the Spirit should be approached with humility, not pride. Not about, I got this gift, you got to have it too. No. If you really have that gift, and it's working appropriately in your life, and the Holy Spirit's directing it, you shouldn't be telling me what I'm supposed to have. It's not your place. not anybody's place to say that we have to have this gift or that gift in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you what. The person who's walking down the street and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of him is filled with the Spirit when he receives Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He has a whole spirit, 100%. And that Spirit will give him the gift he needs if he wants to use him and he loves Jesus in that moment. The Holy Spirit can use him to speak encouragement, to to speak a word of prophecy, He could give him a tongue and interpretation. He could do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't have to be gathered together with 50 people pushing him on the floor to make it happen. That's not the way the Spirit chooses necessarily to move. Now, is there corporate meaning to get emotional? Yes. And there's nothing wrong with emotion to follow the leading of the Spirit. But do not get the emotion on the front end to drive the Spirit because you ain't going anywhere. He won't get in your car. It's not going to happen that way. So we need to come, and it says here in verse twenty in verse twenty, do not be children in understanding. Seek understanding, seek wisdom. Ask God to give you the wisdom regarding the Spirit and the movement of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. He will do that. He will give you what you need. He does say to be malice, uh, be babes in malice. In other words, if you have anger and bitterness and all that stuff growing in you, be babe in that area. Get rid of it. But be mature, let us walk in understanding and maturity. So, this is what the Word tells us. Now, you may come back with a different uh, thought on this. And say, well, I think you've missed it here and there. Well, look, I'm just going by what Paul has told us and what I believe the Spirit is showing me in this Word. And that's where we're going to stand. If we have an argument, we can do it one-on-one. And if it comes out good, hallelujah. If it comes out bad, well, bye. And it's not that I'm being mean and arrogant here, standing here. I'm just telling what the Word of God says. And we can love each other and disagree on certain points. But regarding the practice, I'm going to go by what the Word of God says. Not by what we think it ought to be. Because in my other church, we did it this way. Or we used to do it that way over there. and We used to do that. Well, why'd you leave? If it was working so well and the Spirit was moving so good, why'd you leave? Maybe it was working. They told you something you didn't want to hear. I don't know. But we're here today to edify one another. And to let the gifts be what God wants it to be. Now, there's verses 34 through 40. Like I said, he changes direction here. And a lot of this is cultural. But there's truth in here, too. So let's look at this. Verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Danny, you want to come up and finish this one? (laughs) (laughs) For they are not permitted to speak. But they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husband. I'm sorry. I chuckle at this in our culture today reading this. It could be dangerous in some places. Let them ask their own husbands at home. For it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it at you? Or was it you only that he reached, that it reached If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So, understanding part of this passage, we do need to look at the fact that in their culture, men would sit on one side of the room And women would sit on the other. This is how they had their church services set up. Then we also have to look at the culture where they came from. This is a uh, this is not a Jewish church. This is a Gentile church. And so a lot of the people that came out of the of their Gentile ways and their pagan ways had no understanding of what the jewish culture or what 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 the word of god really stood for regarding men and women because think about it look at our culture today women who follow the women's liberation movement which is not called that anymore i don't know what it's called now but women's rights whatever you want to call it they have gotten into this mindset that they have been so abused that they're going to control everything they're going to rise up and want to control it all and this is a culture that we live in today because it's never been presented Biblically in the culture, in the church, yes, but those who are not going to church don't see anything biblically true. So therefore women have the right to say what they want to, when they want to, how they want to. Men too. And so you get into this situation in the church. These women were hollering across the hall or the aisleway to their husband, Hey, you agree with that? What's going on? Did you explain you know, there's a lot of a lot of confusion. And Paul said, No, this should not happen. If you have a question, ask your husband when you get home. Now, today i'll be honest with you many peop- many men in the church you don't we don't need to be asking their husbands certain questions because they ain't got any more sense in, than the, than anybody does because we're not foundationally seeking god like we should in the church anymore and i'm talking about all these other movements that are not teaching god's word what does that mean it means that i'm supposed to be blessed well don't uh, that, <laughs> let's get into the word what does it say but when we talk about this situation here, it was a cultural issue. There was a lot of, uh, of noise, and he's silencing. And again, think about it in context with the, with the gifts. There was a lot of noise. And Paul is saying, listen, noise is not what it's supposed to be about. There shouldn't be disruptions, whether it's a gift of tongues, a gift, or even prophecy or anything else. Somebody just popping up out of their seat in the middle of a, of a, of a service and just running off at the mouth. Well, it was happening here in this case. The women were doing this, and Paul said, no, they should not be doing this. They need to be quiet, and we can seek answers elsewhere. So this one, that's why that particular aspect was given here. Now today, we don't have men and women sitting on different sides of the church. We might try that one Sunday, but I don't think it's going to go well. But nobody in our church today, whether man or woman, stands up, and ask a bunch of questions in a service that's not set up to do so. Now, when we do our Wednesday services, it's an it's a, uh, interactive Bible study. It's not a teaching, per se. While it's there, it's for discussion. So everybody's welcome because we open that floor to do that. We go through the Word and we say, okay, what are your thoughts and comments on these verses? And then we discuss them because somebody might have a question, but more times than not, somebody will have insight and that's a blessing because that's atmosphere set up for that but for the sunday services that's not what this is about it would turn to chaos if everybody could ask a question or do this or do that anytime they wanted to and then again it'd be a free-for-all because inevitably the more people you have when somebody raises their hand to ask a question or interject something somebody else is going to be in disagreement and then you got an argument on the left side or the right side. And the last thing is that the men and women on each side of the church, let them take your argument home. We don't want to have it in the middle of the church service. But this is what we're talking about here. So that's why Paul addressed this particular part here. This doesn't apply to us today. But what does apply in this particular passage is verse 40. That all things be done decently and in order. And again, There are churches that are not doing things wrong that may do things differently. So I'm not beating other churches up that might do things a little differently than we do as long as they're being led by the Spirit. And hallelujah, let them do it. And there are times, we have to accept this, that people are comfortable in certain environments they are not comfortable in others. Now, I don't call for being comfortable in the church because... The Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible never says, "Come and get as comfortable as you can." If y'all got too comfortable, I know I'd put you to sleep. I see some of you dozing off now. But the thing is, is it's not about coming to be comfortable or walking in your comfort zones. It's ca- you're called to be where God calls you to be, to be placed where He wants you to be, because that's where you're going to grow. And one of the biggest places you're going to understand scripture and dive into the scripture more is when sometimes when that iron sharpens iron sometimes when you're rubbing a little bit and you're not comfortable and you're hearing something you never heard before and you want to go in to find out is that right is that true and you dive into the word and you find out it is either true or not if it's not then you go have a conversation but more times than not many times we've been taught things out of balance i was raised in the baptist church you never the holy spirit wasn't even mentioned. They believe in the Holy Spirit, don't get me wrong, but because of the gifts of the Spirit and because they're cessationless, which means that they, they believe that the Spirit gifts stopped at a certain point, therefore the Holy Spirit is very limited in conversation because a lot of His role is in the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> so what do you talk about? Zoof, right past that part. And this is another reason we go verse by verse and chapter by chapter because we want to hear what all the Holy Spirit has to say not just the parts that we like and people have a tendency to take the parts they don't like and brush over them and then latch on to the parts they do like well you can't pick and choose God's Word you have to take it all because if you say part of it's not true then where is the line where's the line you're going to draw it I don't want to draw it but ultimately that's what we do so we're not to go from church to church just so we hear what we want to hear, we're supposed to go where God calls us to go. And sometimes, again, you're going to hear things or, or, under, or, or grab things that, I wasn't taught that, never heard that before. Sometimes that isn't right because that's not what I was taught when I was 10 years old in, in Bible school. Well, then dive into it and find out what does the word have to say and ask the Holy Spirit for clarification and for understanding. That's the way it's supposed to be because we're supposed to come together and all things that occur in the body of christ should be for the edification of one another it's not about what i know it's not about what i don't know it's not about this gift it's not about that gift walk out your salvation with fear and trembling now, what does that mean we're afraid of god no To walk out your salvation in fear and trembling, what that means is, is that you understand how much you don't understand. And that's a powerful motivator. When you start thinking about all the things that you thought you knew that you found out you don't know, then you're walking out in fear and trembling knowing that you're serving a powerful God that does know all these things. And rather than stepping out and putting my foot in my mouth, which I can do very regularly, Rather than doing that in the teaching of the Word of God, let's seek God and let Him give us what we're supposed to get and let us grow in that and let us understand it because that's who we are in Christ. He will not give you a misunderstanding. The misunderstanding comes from two places. It usually comes from here or it comes from the enemy. And if the enemy's feeding it to you and you're not right here with God and here with God, then this will go in the other direction. Next thing you know, you're still off in the head. We need to be walking it out daily. And I've said it, and I'll continue to say it. The more I study, the longer we we come together and I teach and God gives me what I'm supposed to do, the more I realize I can't lock in on this 100% like other people do. This this may not apply there. This may not work there. That's not what it says. (laughs) That's out of context. And context is very important. God's Word is also done in order. And it's done in an order that's meant that it's built upon itself. And if you have a scripture and you study it and you think it means something, here's what I encourage you to do. Go dig into other scriptures and find out if it's supported or not. And if you find there's a conflict, then dive in even further to understand what it really means, either one or the other, so that they cannot not coincide. Because they will not go against one another. The Word of God is perfectly balanced in truth. Now, we have to understand that it was originally written in Hebrew, the Old Testament, and then you have the Greek, you have Aramaic, you have all these other languages out there that some of the word was written in. So you have to sometimes dive in and say, well, what was it originally when they wrote it? What did it mean? Why did he write it? What was going on? A lot of that's important, and we have to understand that. But context, I believe, is probably more important than anything because if you take a scripture that you want it to say what you want it to say, you can make it say what you want it to say. And you say, well, the Word says this. Yeah, but look at the ones before and look at what was written afterwards. It has nothing to do with that. You're taking it for your own benefit. And a lot of times people do this because they're trying to rationalize or justify something in their life. They're trying to hang on to a sin or a behavior or something in their life that God says, I want it gone. But then they come upon this one scripture. They say, well, this scripture says this, I'm good no it's not what is that scripture's not saying that at all and we have to understand that we have to dive into it so i encourage you do not listen to me on a sunday or a wednesday or or anybody else tv preachers, some of them are good some of them are bad listen to where god calls you to absorb the word wherever you can get it but do not fail to study yourself do not fail to go and look it up yourself Yes, you may have questions. And you get with people, not just one. You get with counsel and get with other people. They will tell you, take you through the Word. Those who are based and rooted in the Word of God are going to take you to other scriptures. They're not just going to mouth off what they want you to hear either. The Word of God is clear. And a relationship with Jesus Christ is the first and only step that we have to understand Jesus. And then... The Word of God and the Holy Spirit within us all work together so that we grow in our understanding we grow in our maturity as Paul talked about here don't be ignorant don't be lack of understanding be mature maturity comes in that relationship so I want to encourage you today I hope that you've been blessed by this by these uh, messages about the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that the Spirit has laid it out very clearly. And I want you to know that as we go through our life and we go through the, this church and we go through walking together, you may see these gifts more and more in play. I want them to be. But I want you to also understand that if the gifts begin to take on their own entity outside of what the Word of God teaches, you'll be called out because we're not going to allow things to happen because people just desire something to happen. I desire the Spirit to happen as He sees fit and as He chooses to do so. Amen? Amen? So, Father, we come this morning, and we do thank You for this Word. We thank You for the time that we have together. I thank You for those that You brought, Lord. I, I, I just thank You, Lord, for the hearts of the people that You brought to our body. We do love each other. Oh, we don't always agree. We don't always uh, come to the same conclusion on some point here or there. But we can all love one another even as we're growing together. Because none of us have all the answers. But we have you. And we have the Spirit of God in us. And we have the Word of God written for us. We have all we need to walk in obedience. And ultimately, that's what this whole message has been about regarding the gifts is obedience humility obedience submission and being willing but lord we want to be in balance we want to be in a church that is in the proper order as you've laid it out so we thank you we praise you we praise you that that we can honestly come and say, God, I just don't understand some things. I don't know why this is happening in my life. I don't know why so-and-so is going through what they're going through. I don't understand why this situation over here hasn't worked out the way that I thought you were going to work it out. I don't understand any of those things. And then I go to the Word, and there's some things that I just can't quite grasp. And, and we come to you, Lord, for this very reason, for your wisdom, for your understanding to fill those holes, that, Lord, that we grow closer to you. That we understand you. And so Lord I pray this morning. My prayer for this body. Is for an overwhelming powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. To move upon each one as you see fit. That brings edification to the body of Christ. That it is a flowing spirit. That moves as you will. And does as you do. And we come to you Lord. Lord. Put it in your hands, because I'll be honest with you. I want it to be in order, and I'm even nervous about some things. So, God, I put all that in your hands, too. My thoughts, my feelings, doesn't matter. I want to hear from you. And we thank you, and we praise you. We love you, and we desire you above all things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen do have one quick announcement. I believe we have a birthday. Yes. Do we not have a, we have a birthday. Yeah. The guy who's been lacking for the last couple weeks, yeah, he no, finally no, showed no, back no, up. No, no, no. And I want to say to Norman, thank you for being here this morning. It took that I did not want to be behind that computer one more week. That about talk about being nervous in the Lord. That was one I am just not good at that stuff, but thanks right, for Mr. being here, Norman. Happy per- birthday.
2: i
1: down in stone mountain it's going to be based on the theme is like life. Um, if you're interested um, there's information like on the back there on that board I put it it's purple there's a purple letter up there and if you're interested in going maybe y'all can get together with Amy and y'all can like figure out maybe who might could drive or whatever it's, it'll be it'd be a nice time I'm probably gonna be working so um, I'm not going to probably be able to go or I won't know until the last minute. <coughs> second thing is I have had two ladies get with me about which week is good for them for our ladies luncheon. Um, Amy and uh, Marsha have gotten with me. So if you, I'd like to know if, if the first week in January or the second week in January, it would be the first or second Saturday, would be good for you to go. So if you, on, if you girls can get with me, that will help me figure out when we can do it so that the most ladies can come. Okay, that's it.